My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 178 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Before we begin this week, uh, I want to thank everyone who is continuing to support our recovery and relief efforts in regards to the flooding here in West Virginia. Well, we've featured a family this week that I want to encourage you to check out on our our news page at uh, renewedheartministries.com, a family here in Greenbrier County, and if we can support them and help them uh, uh, get fully back into their home. That would be great. Uh, Our episode this week is Sheep Among Wolves. Our feature text is Be On Your Way. Look, I send you like sheep among uh, in in the midst of wolves. And that's Sings Gospel Q 10 verse 3. Our companion texts are Matthew 10 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And Luke 10 3. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. The image of this week's saying is one of risk, uh, for sure. In last week's saying, we prayed for laborers. In this week's saying, uh, we we're encountering Jesus sending forth la- those laborers and, and being honest and frank about the risk that's, that's involved in what they're about to do. And I want to point out the participatory nature of this week's saying. And, and lastly, Lastly, uh, we'll we'll look closely at the imagery of sheep versus wolves and consider what this might uh, have meant uh, given Jesus' teachings on changing the status quo with a self-affirming, nonviolent confrontation. And let's talk about risk first. An an ethic of risk, uh, not uh, sacrifice. When when people interpret Jesus' message uh, for victims and survivors of injustice as as requiring them to embrace an ethic of a passive self-sacrifice in the face of injustice. There are harmful results, and Karen Baker Fletcher has gone to significant and I think convincing lengths to, to show that, that Jesus' message was of self-affirmation and the affirmation of, of living, uh, not dying, and that although his, his message was nonviolent, it was nonetheless uh, a message that confronted uh, with uh, nonviolent direct action those who perpetuate I- injustice. And Jesus' message of, of choosing life uh, also involved, though, an ethic of risk. And this risk uh, was not intrinsic to choosing life, but was the imposed result of the elite who felt threatened 
by the subjugated people's life choice. The way of life is only a way that involves a cross when the status quo threatens the work of social justice with a cross. In other words, when we follow Jesus, we're not primarily choosing a cross. We're choosing the way of life. But because the powers that be uh, threaten those who choose the way of life with a cross uh, to, to keep them in their place, the way of life also becomes uh, the way of the cross. And it need not be true. It doesn't have to be this way. The, cro- the way of the cross is simply the choice to hold on to life, not suffering, um, even when threatened with pushback from the dominant party that may result in suffering. In choosing life and, and stubbornly refusing to relinquish that life, even when the choice confronts uh, the powers of death and, and, and the death or the cross that they would silence you with, uh, Jesus taught a message of, 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 of life and, and, and survival and liberation. And it was the, the society around him that determined that his message should also involve, therefore, a, a cross. Uh, for Jesus and for us, uh, the cross is the result of working for justice and transformation within oppressive systems and social orders that don't want to change and that threaten you with death if you try to change them. Uh, This is from uh, uh, Karen Baker Fletcher and Garth Baker Fletcher in uh, their book, My Sister, My Brother, Womanist and Exodus God Talk, page 79. Persecution and violence suffered by those who resist evil and injustice is the result of an ethic of risk. The assassination of Martin King or the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is part of the risk involved in actively struggling for social justice. But such people daily resist the very power of systemic injustice that may crucify and assassinate them. And Rosemary Ruther also elaborates in her book, Introducing Redemption in Christian Feminism. This is page 104. Jesus Jesus did not come to suffer and die. Rather, Jesus conceived of his mission as one of good news to the poor, the liberation of the captive. That is, experiences of liberation and abundance of life shared between those who had been on the underside of dominant systems of religion and state of his time. He did not seek to be killed by the powers that be, but rather to convert them into solidarity with those they had formerly despised and victimized. And then again, uh, Joanne Carlson Brown and Rebecca Parker in Christianity, Patriarchy, and Abuse on page 18, uh, they write, "'It is not the acceptance of suffering that gives life.'" It is the commitment to life that gives life. The question, moreover, is not, am I willing to suffer, but do I desire to fully live? The distinction is subtle and to some specious, but in uh, in the end, it makes a great difference in how people interpret and respond to suffering. If you believe that acceptance of suffering gives life, then your resources for confronting, confronting uh, perpetuators of violence and abuse will be numbed. So when we talk about 
the way of the cross or our being uh, lambs among wolves. We must be careful uh, not to understand or, or even to communicate these images as an admonishment to be passive lambs on our way to sacrificial slaughter. The lamb-wolf dico- dichotomy is a reference to the methods we use in seeking social change. Self-affirmation and self-giving are involved, uh, but not self-sacrifice. We are lambs only in the sense that our, our efforts are, are nonviolent in the face of, of wolves that use violent means to establish and maintain their position of control in society. And through nonviolent confronting means, and after the example of the, and the teachings of, of Jesus and the early Jewish Jesus community, we challenge privilege and, and, and favor that is enforced by violence. Now let's talk about uh, the hero liberator model versus a participatory mutual model as well. Another element that we encounter in this week's saying is Jesus being more than an isolated hero liberator, and instead he's he's forming a a community around him. Um, It's not a solo effort. It's a community effort. He, He not only went out himself, he did that, but he also empowered a community to go out as well. And this community was influenced by him, but it also influenced him in a mutual give and take relationship. One example of this is found in Mark's story, which Matthew includes in his narrative of the Syrophoenician woman. And Rita Nakashima Brock, and and her fantastic work of uh, Journeys by Heart, a a Christology of Erotic Power, she contrasts the difference between viewing Jesus as an individual isolated hero liberator and viewing him rather as as more of a pioneer or or center uh, of a a participatory community where each member is participating and envisioning and, and creating a new social order. She she uh, contrasts, she critiques the, the first way of viewing Jesus first as hero and liberator. She states on page 65, the relationship of, of liberator to oppressed is unilateral. And she's talking about in this view where, where Jesus is seen as isolated as, as the hero and the liberator. And hence, the liberator must speak for victims. The brokenhearted do not speak too strong in a unilateral heroic model. And what we see in in, in this week's saying is very different than a unilateral heroic model. Uh, Brock would refer to it as a, a community participating in the work of liberation with Jesus rather than an individual Jesus doing the work of liberation alone on the community's behalf. And this is uh, just two pages later on the same book, page 67. She writes, I believe that above the above views of Christ, and she's talking about that, that hero isolated liberator, tend to rely on unilateral views of power and too limited understanding of the power of community. They present a heroic Jesus who alone is able to achieve an empowering and self-consciousness through a solitary 
private relationship with God or goddess. If Jesus is reported to have been capable of profound love and concern for others, he was first loved and respected by the concrete persons of, of his life. If he was liberated, he was involved in a community of mutual liberation. The gospel narratives give us glimpses of the mutuality of Jesus's relationships. Jesus's vision of Basilea, which is the, the Greek word for kingdom, grew to include the dispossessed, women and non-Jewish, the marginal. Because of this encounter, and interaction with these real with the real presence of such people they co-create liberation and healing from brokenheartedness we we should not underestimate that the power of the early Jewish Jesus community was that it actually was a community. It was not a group rooted in a unilateral dominance of a lone hierarchical leader, but rather in the power of community centered on the values and teachings and ethics uh, taught by Jesus and, and resonant with, with a community of members. It was a group effort, not a solo effort. And e- even the, the collection of the community sayings, which we now recognize as our, our scriptures, uh, bear witness, I think, itself to this. The, these writings are a manifestation of a mutually participatory group, not just uh, of a lone prophet of, of social change. Jesus never wrote anything down himself. The community that formed around his teachings did. And it's because of that community that we have accounts of, uh, of his ministry. And we can't, if Jesus, if we were dependent on Jesus's lone solo efforts, then we wouldn't even have a record of Jesus's life and teachings. So we can't just gloss over this. We're not waiting for a heroic savior. We are the community that he anticipated. And, and I had the, uh, the privilege of witnessing two contemporary practical examples of participatory mutualism uh, a couple weeks ago in the form of, of two podcasts. Both of these uh, are community responses to the massacre of LGBTQ people in Orlando on June 12th uh, of last month. And, and this, the, the first is from the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America's Youth Adult Live webcast. And you can find that. Uh, I'll put a link to this in uh, this week's e-site. And the second is the Adventist podcast, Pulse Massacre Orlando. And you can download and listen to it at the link that I'll, I'll give you for this second one as well. I'll put both of these links in, in the e-site this week. But in each of these examples, uh, those affected uh, the brokenhearted, uh, they're the ones that are speaking to the, the dominant society. Rather than waiting for a, a unilateral heroism, the community members are, are working themselves for survival, liberation, and, and thriving. And, and these examples are, are uh, I think, exactly, uh, at least what I envision, happening among those in whom Jesus' say, first sayings uh, began to, to resonate in the first century. Uh, 
And, and let's get back to the sheep among wolves as well. And let's let's flesh that out a little bit before we close this week. Um, as we covered in uh, the podcast, uh, uh, Renouncing One's Rights, or the e-site, Renouncing One's Rights, uh, Jesus' teachings on nonviolence were not that victims should embrace uh, passive self-sacrifice or self-denial. And I'll put a link to, to that e-site as well. I want you to go back and, and, and just refresh yourself with those ideas. It wasn't about a passive self-sacrifice or self-denial in a world where oppressors already denied the selves of the oppressed. Jesus gave his listeners instead a, a, a vision of nonviolence that confronted and discomforted comforted those in positions of, of dominance and and gave those being subjugated a, a way to affirm themselves in a, a social order where they were being dehumanized. And yet to choose to only use non-violently confronting means, to, to, to embrace the, the way of non-violence uh, as a way of challenging injustice, when those who that you're standing up against, uh, they've not made those same choices. To, to do this is risky. It's it's a choice to be a lamb among wolves, and it cannot be forgotten that the goal of of Jesus's new social vision is not to replace an old hegemony with a new one. His goal was not peace through victory, the, the, the victory of slaughtering our enemies. It was peace through restored justice. And he was not teaching a, a new social pyramid to replace an old uh, social pyramid. He was doing away with the pyramid altogether. He was replacing it with a, a shared table where victims were not passively complicit in oppression and their oppressors were not continuing oppression in more subtle ways. Victims were confronting injustice, not in order to become oppressors themselves, but in the words of of Ruther again, uh, to convert their oppressors into solidarity with those they had formerly despised and victimized. Too often, uh, the sheep among wolves imagery of of nonviolence, it's used to keep victims passive in the face of injustice, making sure that those being oppressed remain passive, uh, it co-ops the the nonviolence that Jesus and and others have taught. Martin Luther King's nonviolence was was troublemaking. Gandhi's nonviolence became feared and and avoided. And, and those who use violence themselves will always desire their opposition to remain nonviolent. If one defines that nonviolence as simply rolling over, um, but I believe that true nonviolence is a force more powerful. It's it's not passive. It confronts, it awakens, and at times it even shames those that it's seeking not just simply to defeat them, but to win them and to convert uh, them into a, a new paradigm of, of seeing and a, and a new set of behaviors as well. To use Jesus or to use MLK or to use Gandhi to induce the subjugated to remain passive and to remain calm is a gross way uh, to use uh, the teachings of Jesus, King, and Gandhi. And we are sheep in the midst of wolves, but that's because our methods of action and the goals that we hope to achieve by those actions 
are radically different from the wolves that we seek to transform or change. The Jewish community that cherished Jesus's imagery, especially this wolf versus lamb imagery, was a community that held the Jewish vision of a new social order that cherished this view. And this order is described by Isaiah in Isaiah 11, 1 through 9. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Justice will be on his belt, faithfulness the sash around his waist. Now notice this is rooted in restored justice. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the lion, and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all of my holy mountain. And and remember, this is not a description of what the animals will behave like, uh, but rather people. In Isaiah 65, uh, verse 25, it says, The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the dust will be uh, the serpent's uh, food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. And, and from Isaiah 58, verse 6, uh, from today's English version, the kind of fasting that I want is this, to remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and to let the oppressed go free. In this week's saying, uh, those who believe Jesus' teachings ha- have an intrinsic value and, and that those teachings inform the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. Uh, we're reminded that this vision involves brace, embracing uh, an ethic of risk. And as I've said before, Jesus was not giving us a hard way to get to heaven. Rather, he was giving us a risky way to heal the earth. And we are also reminded that our hope is not in following uh, heroic, unilateral liberators, but in discovering and applying the, the power of mutual, participatory, nonviolent communities. And lastly, uh, we're reminded that we are up against wolves, but we also hold the hope that wolves can be converted and destruction and harm can become, by our continued choice, a thing of the past. A new world is coming if we choose it. And today, while we make those choices, we find ourselves often in this story, as the saying this week states, like sheep in the midst of wolves. Heart group application this week. This week, discuss three sets of contrast with your heart group. And as you work together towards, towards clarity, clarity, towards understanding these more clearly. Um, number one, what are the significant differences uh, that you feel need to be communicated clearly between nonviolent direct, direct action and merely being passive. What's the difference between passivity 
and pacifism or nonviolence? And number two, what are the differences between a hero model of liberation and a, a community model rooted in mutual participa- participation? And then number three, uh, what difference does it make for you to define the way of the cross that, that we choose as Jesus followers? Um, what difference does it make to define that as a refusal to let go of life rather than a, a way of merely sacrificing yourself with no change to the status quo around you. And thank you once again uh, for listening this week and for joining us. And again, thank you to each of you who are supporting our work here in, in Greenbrier County and, and aiding and assisting the, the flood recovery efforts here. Uh, keep living in love. Together we're, we're uh, demonstrating what love, what a world can look like uh, when it's shaped by love. And keep living in that love, working toward justice till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries, even our our many educational events that we do in various venues is for free. If you'd like to support our work, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And make sure you also sign up for our free resources. And remember, every little bit helps. And and as always, anything that we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are are making both systemic and personal differences and significant differences in the lives of those who are not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you so much. Your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue being a presence for positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together, we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns.